Welcome to Madcasters. You have just tuned in to the difference makers of a new generation. If you're looking for that disciplined effort to change your life, or the inspiration to make a difference in your communities and the world, Madcasters, this is the launch pad for you to go mad. going on it's your host brian st louis bsl and before we get into our episode i just want to thank our first patreon supporter mr bagley for seeing the vision the mission and supporting monetarily to help build our madcaster movement man that encouraged me so much to see that someone is willing to financially help support the madcasters movement you're really helping us to be the launch pad to go mad and so thank you once again mr bagley for being a patreon subscriber and if you're listening and you want to help support our cause too just go to patreon.com backslash madcasters and you can help donate and support the madcasters movement too for all my apple itunes individuals why don't you go ahead and also leave a positive rating and a great review it encourages me as a host but it also helps others to choose this podcast and to see the value in being here so go ahead and take the time even right now to write a positive review and a five-star rating we would love that today's episode is going to be finishing off this last emphasis of human trafficking And so today we have ACT Alberta representatives Jess and Cassandra, and they're going to be speaking to us a little bit more in depth about this issue that's plaguing the world. ACT Alberta stands for Active Coalition of Human Trafficking Alberta, and their vision is to free Alberta from all human trafficking. So Jess, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got into working with ACT Alberta? I would love to, yes. So uh, the topic of human trafficking was made known to me by an experience I'd encountered on a humanitarian trip to Los Angeles when I was 18. Um, so mm. yeah, I lived there for a little while. And during that time, I met a group, a really amazing group of women and girls undergoing a healing program who had experienced sexual exploitation. So mm. since that time, those amazing survivors and their stories have really stayed with me. Um, and that's kind of when oh. I decided to start volunteering. Um, and so, you know, years down, <laughs> a few years down the line, I started volunteering with ACT Alberta, which was now mm-hmm. five years ago. And eventually I took the leap from the tech sector that I was working in to manage the education program at ACT Alberta in 2018. So um, from then I've had uh, the privilege of training, educating, bringing awareness uh, to thousands of people every year since then. And awesome. yeah, it's just, there's such an array of different groups throughout Alberta who want to learn. Um, and they they really do. They want to learn how to recognize, protect, and assist someone who may be experiencing exploitation. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. I love that. Awesome. Wow. Someone, yeah, you were able to really take in what you saw uh, and you definitely didn't allow that to just escape your mind. Mm-hmm. You've chosen to to make this a reality, to do something different and make a difference in other people's lives. I love this. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Awesome. Cassandra, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself and what also got you into Oct Alberta? Yeah, so my name's Cassandra Hensky. I am a social worker uh, and 
Originally, actually, I was part of a uh, street outreach team. I moved here uh, to Calgary about a year ago. Uh, and then when the pandemic started, um, unfortunately, a lot of outreach services were cut. Um, so mm -hmm. from there, I started to look um, for another position in which um, that I felt I could do good and that I felt uh, I, I supported the mission and the values of the organization. Um, I have a lot of experience working with individuals um, with a history of trauma, um, uh, as well as in the field of mental health. Uh, so I thought I could bring those skills to the team. Um, and yeah, I, I did the interview. I, I loved the team. I, um, I was in support of the mission and the values. I thought I could bring something to the team. And I started uh, almost three months ago now. So That's awesome. That's awesome. I love, once again, I love to hear when people are able to see something greater in, in what they would like to do and a value and a mission that they want to support. And so glad to have you both on our on our episode, on our podcast. Can we kind of like just really dive into this whole issue of human trafficking? Because I know people have many questions. And one of the things that I actually did was ask questions that people had uh, in order for us to to get some better deeper understanding and so uh i mean the real the first question that's actually coming into my mind is what ex can we exactly define what human trafficking fully yeah. is i can jump in on this one um so human trafficking simply put human trafficking is the act of forcing coercing or deceiving an individual into selling sex or labor for the personal gain of someone else so what we see is traffickers undertake an action, which could be recruitment, transportation, um, harboring, using means. And those means could be, um, for example, threats, abduction, or deception for the purpose of exploiting mm -hmm. someone. And that purpose, of course, could be forced labor, sexual exploitation, forced organ removal, what have you. And so a lot of people have the, missed, the misconception or the notion that uh, human trafficking is basically equates sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. uh, is that is that is that the case or no? That is not the case. So human trafficking is um, it does not just include sex trafficking. It can be labor trafficking. It can be a debt bondage. It can be forced organ removal. So when we say human trafficking um, on on a global scale or worldwide, experts say that labor trafficking is actually um, a bigger issue than um, that of sex trafficking, but it, it's just the awareness. Really? Yeah. The awareness around sex trafficking is, um, you know, it's so much more vast and so much more widespread. So um, yeah, human trafficking encompasses uh, a lot of other things. Definitely. Mm -hmm. as a definition. Yeah. And I just wanted to add something to that as well. Um, so, mm -hmm. so I am, I'm a, a coordinator for the victim response team at ACT Alberta. Uh, and we are um, the only organization in the province that does support um, victims of human trafficking from all spheres of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. so, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Because um, like, like I've said before, many of us and me included uh, for many years until I started to really take my time to research, uh, thought that human trafficking basically equated sex trafficking. We thought that that was the main basis in which that was um, that was done. Uh, but to but to understand that it has uh, a larger net 
that that uh, individuals fall mm-hmm. into uh, definitely gives you a little bit more eyes to to keep that a little bit more aware as to what is actually happening in our society. So I'm really happy that Alto Alberta is not just focusing on the sex trafficking, but is focusing on multiple other aspects. Let me ask you a question, though. How many cases do you typically see in different sectors of human trafficking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, although I am new to the team, I, I, I work closely with the other coordinator and um, as well as, you know, reading through past materials and data and statistics that we've collected. Um, there, w- there was fairly recently a time where we had more victims of sex trafficking, but we currently have mm-hmm. more labor trafficking victims. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, Something part of what the victim response team does is we have uh, quarterly collaborative meetings with our stakeholder organizations. Um, And one of the things, one of the things that was brought up, we discussed trends, for example, trends that we're seeing in human trafficking within those meetings. And one of the things that was brought up is that, you know, um, individuals uh, who are working in precarious conditions right now are coming forward due to COVID-19 in a way that they may not have in the past, um, where they Mm. may have just kind of stayed under the radar, but now are finding themselves in precarious situations and are a little, a little more willing to come out and and look for support. Mm -hmm. Mm. And, and on that too, when we're talking about numbers, I really, I like to Mm -hmm. mention that cases are so because of the clandestine nature and like the very underground hidden nature of this crime, it's super, it's so hard to quantify actual, you know, like how many people are actually being trafficked at at any given time. Right. So the the way that Mm -hmm. we um, gather our statistics um, that I can, I I can share some with you um, as we move along, but uh, yeah, some of those, like all of those statistics, I should say um, are, just from ACT Alberta referrals who have been able to report to us. So that, right, mm-hmm. that just means essentially That's that it's, yeah. just, it's the people who were able to um, come forward. And unfortunately, there are many who um, who can't. So Who don't, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not even who don't, right? But like you said, yeah. who can't because they're, they're still in the situation. It's not like you have traffickers who are, going to tell you, oh, hey, by the way, I got an X amount of numbers of individuals <laughs> exactly. who are trafficking at this moment. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's uh, it's it's such a, you're, you're absolutely right, though. This, out of almost anything that I've ever seen crime-wise uh, that hits the world, this is so obscure. Mm-hmm. We don't hear about this on a regular basis. We get these movies um, from Liam Nielsen or something of the sort that, that, that'll, that'll give you a little bit more uh, thought as to what this mm-hmm. is, but I mean, this is not something that's in mm-hmm. our minds. Something that that's necessarily at the forefront of our of of our brains whenever we're thinking about crimes. Mm-hmm. But it feels as though this happens way more than we think. It, um, it, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, human trafficking is actually the fastest growing uh, crime overall, wow. and uh, it's a hundred and fifty billion dollar industry globally. Yeah, and that's 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 from the International Labor Organization. Um, And another kind of interesting number when we're talking about human trafficking is a single trafficker in one year. You may have heard the stat. um, It's it's been updated recently. Uh, Previously, it was Mm -hmm. a single trafficker can make um, 
up to three uh, up to two hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year from from just one victim. Now it's been updated one from victim. one victim, but it's actually recently been updated um, and is now three hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars just from one victim of human trafficking Perfect. annually. Yeah, so it's a very lucrative business, unfortunately. And so you see individuals who already have that criminal mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 easier for them to see the the dollar value and want to want to put their time and, and effort into something that can give them so much mm-hmm. while it's completely debilitating and destroying lives. Yeah, and traffickers are resourceful, right? They're very they're smart. They're not dumb. <laughs> they're resourceful. They know they know how to manipulate. So um, if they're if they're able to provide a need, whether that's shelter, uh, love, <laughs> providing basic needs, mm-hmm. right? Um, feeding an addiction, even it just there. There are if the trafficker can feed that need, then you know if you can sell your if you can sell the person a dream, um, you know it's it's they, they've got you, unfortunately, and um, yeah, they're they're resourceful. They're very resourceful. Yeah, I just thought it would be good to segue into like a simplified maybe definition of human trafficking, which is that traffickers undertake actions using means for the purpose of exploiting people. So we say Mm -hmm. in order to have a case of human trafficking, you have to have action, means and purpose. So action would be, um, you know, how did you get the victim? Was that through transferring, transportation, recruitment, harboring? Were Mm -hmm. you receiving the victim? Means is how are you Mm -hmm. keeping or controlling the victim? Is it through force, coercion, threat, abuse of power? Have you abducted the person? Have you taken their, in the case of, let's say, labor trafficking, have you taken their identification documents? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what is the... Yeah. And what is the purpose? So what is the purpose of this endeavor? Is it usually that the trafficker is gaining from um, having the the trafficked victim? So is that through sexual exploitation? Mm -hmm. Is it through forced labor, organ remover, removal, sorry, slavery, similar practices? Um, So yeah, that, that helps to kind of define it a little, Mm -hmm. a little simpler. Can can we even can we even go into another definition of how can we identify a trafficker or what are the things to identify about someone who may be trying to traffic individuals? Like, and so, and the reason why I'm asking this question is for anyone who may be listening to this episode, who might even be speaking to, or they might find themselves in a predicament where they end up speaking to someone who is a trafficker, Mm -hmm. but they need to see the signs as to, what they're looking for. And so can can we identify some of yeah. these things on well, specifics in that way? Mm-hmm. Or is it too hard? What do, what do you think? We can definitely, I mean, Cassandra, you can touch, touch on it too. I, I, I was just going to say traffickers, um, they can be anyone. We've had, uh, I mean, reports of traffickers mm-hmm. being family members. It can be an uncle, a, mo- a mother. Um, it, it, typically traffickers know the people that they're exploiting and vice versa. The people who are being exploited know their trafficker. Yeah. uh, And victims can also be forced into situations where they are forced to traffic um, other individuals. And that's where uh, new legislation um, comes into place to protect the victims, where we recognize that sometimes a victim is forced 
in order to preserve their own life, to bring mm-hmm. other people right. into the organization. And that's what also then keeps them there because they know that they are they now have a criminal record, that they now could have charges against them. Mm-hmm. And it, so it just fuels this whole this this whole relationship. But um, specifically because I, I come from the victim response lens, right? So I, I do mm-hmm. have some questions, like assessment questions that I do give to stakeholders. Um, so, to, yeah. or, uh, so what that means is to other organizations that we work with who may also um, uh, right. connect with victims of human trafficking. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, that will help to answer your question as well. So some of the questions are, um, have you felt unsafe because of someone else? Have you been hurt or threatened? Mm-hmm. Are you being controlled or humiliated or isolated? So, um, you know, Mm. for example, is this person being forced to sleep in precarious situations? Are they having to ask for food? Are they having to ask to leave the house? Are they having to ask to use their cell phone? Is this being monitored? So Mm. conversely, the, the trafficker could be someone who is engaging in these activities, right? Yeah. Um, have you been deprived of food, water, sleep, or medical care? Uh, are there locks on the doors or windows? Do you have your access to your own personal identification documents? Things like that. Yeah. It's so interesting that the questions you asked don't necessarily paint a picture of a specific mm-hmm. person. Um, like, let's say it's not this one guy that's in the street or this, this woman that's, that's going around somewhere. This can be anyone. Like you said, it could be an uncle. It could be a, um, a, a, a an parent. Employer. Uh, it could be an employer, whatever. And so it's, I, I, like, as I was listening to the questions, it's so important for uh, the individual to look at what is being said and, and realize that this is not just from, it's not just questions that, I should be posing or thinking about from someone who is a stranger. This can be someone who's right there in, in my own home. Uh, that, and that's such a sad reality that uh, human trafficking is. Well, actually, well, the, the question will be posed. How much of human trafficking is actually done by uh, someone domestically, someone who they do know instead of someone who's who's a stranger or an organization mm-hmm. in that sense? Again, like we mentioned before, quantifying that would be really difficult just because (laughs) because of the um, clandestine nature of the crime. But it it really is the majority. Like there there are so many people who have experienced human trafficking who um, it's someone that they knew. Yeah, I just have been reading a lot and really informing myself on grooming practices. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Mm -hmm. what that looks like in terms of... um, the relationship that is built, the traffickers really try sometimes for years to build a trusting relationship with uh, the victim. And then, and that's in the sense of grooming, maybe giving them mm-hmm. things, maybe providing them a safe space, uh, maybe, um, you know, giving them a job where they do feel comfortable at first and making that person, creating that dependency and then exploiting the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, it's really to look out and inform yourself about what are the red flags, um, and how do you catch this if this does start to happen to you, or you think mm-hmm. this is happening to someone you know. There's there are there's also um, 
there is the structural structural inequality piece where we do see that creating conditions for human trafficking as well. So, um, right. I mean, these aren't really indicators, but we, we do see these are some common threads. So uh, socioeconomically disadvantaged and marginalized populations uh, can be can be one uh, migrants, refugees and newcomers. I mean, Cassandra, you can speak to this, uh, you know, face to face your your serving clients every day. Um, so yeah, indigenous populations, substance uh, populations with substance dependencies, mental health can play a big part. Um, LGBTQ communities as yeah, well. Yeah, that was my next one. Yeah, that was and and youth, particularly um, coming out of protection or custody, right? So there's there's that piece mm-hmm. where um, you know they have now kind of transitioned out of that protection or custody um, or the or the foster system, and you know what's the next step? Well, if there's there's someone in their life who they trust and who is going to provide them with that shelter, you know, maybe maybe some money, clothing, um, it's it's an easy transition, right? So, um, yeah, that's important to note. Again, there's no stereotypical victim, really. Everyone's story is so different, uh, but there there are of Mm -hmm. course those common threads, like we mentioned. Um, Those structural inequalities can really create those conditions for human trafficking. Um, but when we're talking about indicators, so labor trafficking indicators and sex trafficking indicators, they can be quite similar, but uh, we do kind of see some nuance there. So when it comes to labor trafficking indicators, we see some common threads such as unreasonable mm-hmm. living or working conditions, right? So um, maybe they're living yeah. in dirty, dangerous conditions, um, excessive hours, right. right? So like, 12 plus hours a day, uh, having no access to their earnings. So potentially, um, well, actually I can give an example of um, a client in the past who's, who's, who's boss uh, or I mean, trafficker really uh, took them to the bank, got them a bank card and took that bank card and paid them with it, but then used that bank card for themselves. So the, the employee did not have access to that card though. It looked like they did because the employer was using it. Right. Um, Mm. so there was a paper trail, which was very sneaky, um, no access to personal ID. So for instance, a passport, uh, or maybe that work permit is taken away, um, paid for recruitment or work permits and discipline through fines. So that's a big indicator. Um, we see really high recruitment fees, uh, when it comes to temporary foreign workers coming into Canada. Um, that's a, that's a big red flag. And then the job is not as described. So you come here. Your, your work, your work permit says you're like hospitality. This is, you're going to be working at this hotel when you have just recently been sent to a farm and are doing farm work. Like that is, that is a huge red flag. Yes. And then, um, the last kind of common denominator we have listed is depending on the employer for more than employment. So again, um, you know, depend, just, just having to depend on your employer for even just transportation. If you want to go to the store, you have Mm -hmm. to ask your employer if you want want to go to church you have to have permission from that employer so those are some pretty those are some really big red flags um so indicators of sex trafficking again these are common threads from what we've heard from our clients so having Mm -hmm. few personal possessions if you uh if you do some research on amanda mcgee uh, you'll, you'll hear um if you're reading the report on that case amanda mcgee was 33 year old uh a 33 year old calgarian 
Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the case, but uh, she was sentenced to eight years in prison for trafficking two women. Um, And one of those women was was only allowed to have a blanket and a pillow in her room. And that was it. Um, She had to, I believe her quota every day was she had to meet $2,000. And she was forced, she was forced um, to provide sexual services to make that quota. And if she didn't, then she would be, um, she would face assault. Uh, so, so having few personal possessions is a really, that's a, that's a big red flag. Having marks indicating ownership. So that could be, um, we've seen tattoos that are barcodes or maybe the trafficker's name or, you know, some, some kind of something that right. assigns, um, assigns them to their trafficker. Um, working long hours. So that's quite similar to what we hear in labor trafficking, those long hours of work controlled mm-hmm. and are escorted wherever they go. Um, and then showing signs of physical abuse and fear and owing a large debt that they're paying off both within labor trafficking and sex trafficking. We uh, see traffickers offering a chance to exit or, you know, breach their contract if it's a labor trafficking case. And so the trafficker will say, you know, pay me $25,000 and you're good. You can go, you can breach your contract or you can, you know, you don't have to do this. Uh, you don't have to um, do this work anymore. Continue. Exactly. Yeah. And then of course you can imagine that that doesn't actually happen. We got $25,000. Even if they did, I'm pretty sure they still wouldn't. <laughs> exactly. let them yeah. Go. Yeah. I have a question about this specific case. Cause as you, as you told me your name, I decided to mm-hmm. Google her. Um, and what, and as I was reading, uh, what upset me the most, um, eight years, mm-hmm. what is that? How, how is, was how a trafficker who, okay. So, so let's say it in this way, um, a rapist probably wouldn't get only eight years. Possibly. I think if I'm not mistaken, they're getting anywhere between 15 to 20 years. If someone who is a trafficker now is causing so much pain, uh, to basically allow um, men or uh, depending on the case, because I, cause I mm-hmm. do hear that, uh, well, just like Amanda McGee, for instance, she is a, a woman uh, mm-hmm. trafficker. So we don't know necessarily every every person or everything that's happening in, a, in that regard. But um, if, if a rapist is getting 15 to 20 years, but a trafficker is the one that's actually causing the pain that's happening and, and enslaving this individual and is only getting eight years, how is that necessarily, uh, and I'm throwing this word out there, but how is that necessarily mm-hmm. justice being being found? Uh, with yeah, this? we get that question a lot. Uh, it, it is, it's frustrating. Um, and I think one of the biggest reasons that human trafficking is so hard to um, convict is a evidence. Um, mm. B there's, there's just not a lot of case law. There's yes. Right. Canadian trafficking mm. legislation is changing. So, is, uh, yeah. so human trafficking, um, is included in the criminal code of Canada. But the, the thing is that sometimes it's hard to prove, um, that the case is specifically human trafficking. And then the, the person, the, the trafficker has to be charged under other um, other infractions that may be connected to the trafficking. For instance, um, like living off the avails of prostitution. So very much a trafficker um, 
something that a trafficker would do, but that's not specific yeah. to human trafficking. Um, so, that's yeah. And I, so I just wanted to add one other piece is that um, I just wanted to talk about consent um, mm-hmm. in terms of the victims, uh, uh, victims of human trafficking. And often um, yeah. consent is given, but what does consent really mean? So mm-hmm. in the case of labor trafficking, mm-hmm. when they, the individual maybe pays a sum of money to come to Canada and then to begin employment, and they know they might be working on the farm and they might go to the farm that they are expecting to mm-hmm. work on, but they never consented to the conditions that they end up finding themselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And, and the same thing with... Um, uh, sex trafficking, a, a woman may have decided to um, to uh, participate, but she may not know exactly what she was consenting to do and then may be forced to uh, do things that she had not agreed to or yeah. um, to have to give sums of money that she had not agreed to in the first place. So there's a loss of control um, and... and mm-hmm. And there's a, p- a coercion piece as well that that makes the consent not authentic and not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in one of my episodes, we with uh, Marky Williams, we talked about organizations or people that may be helping to to uh, support the human trafficking industry, um, knowingly or unknowingly. Do you all have any more extra resources as to? as to what that can look like um, or what things people may be doing even on a regular basis that they don't actually realize they're helping to promote human Mm -hmm. trafficking. Um, I think it's really important to be a mindful consumer. So um, Mm -hmm. that for me personally, that means um, being mindful of where I'm buying my clothes. That means uh, because Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, I acknowledge that this is kind of a, a, I'm coming from a privileged place where I can make the decision as to whether or not I'm going to buy um, clothes where I don't know their origin story, or I can buy clothes yeah. from someone who's local. And I know, you know, the fabrics that they have and the the labor that um, went into those clothes were, were not, um, an ex- they weren't yeah. exploitive in nature, whereas, you know, yeah. There's so much. There's there's so much um, behind, you know that 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 cheap clothing that you can get for very reasonably very very reasonable prices. But um, just that mindful consumerism, I think, is so important. Yeah, and uh, and on that, just to add, like mindful, mindfully consuming um, information as well. Like one yes, thing that we yeah. hear from victims is that. Um, Cases of human trafficking are sensationalized. Mm -hmm. And then, for example, um, I'll go back to consent. For example, women who may be part of the sex trade, um, their cases are not seen as important because there was an element of consent that began with, where it's not, you know, the, the, the sensationalized case of the kid who was kidnapped and then um, sold and then participated in, in sex trafficking. So it's it's just to be to be aware of sensationalized stories and to recognize that um, the realities of victims are often very different. Mm-hmm. I, I actually really like that you said yeah. this because it's it would be 
in the mind of the individual who might be trying to support or to help and and they see those two different cases they'll be like well this person put themselves in this case in this situation they she was already doing these acts and and they could rationalize in their head well she put herself there that that's her exactly. fault and and the kid oh he got kidnapped of course we have to help with that kid because he, his human rights were infringed upon but this woman she already gave consent in that in that regard but as you said the consent is not for the same and we have to be willing to to support both cases to care for the same way into in, in both cases and if we really want to champion against human trafficking um one or the other shouldn't be seen as less exactly. than so I, I really appreciate you giving uh, a clear indication to that because i think that's very important to the way that we perceive victims and the way that we perceive uh human trafficking. exactly and i really like sorry jess i just want to okay. say i really like that you said that because um you know that's it you also that 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 judgment piece, right? Which is just part of mm. it. It is human nature, but recognizing that mm-hmm. above and above consent even is like we were talking about those grooming practices and the physical and mental yes. abuse that might've occurred that led to a, a person ending up in that situation. So. So true. Yeah. I was just going to add to that and say, um, just coming, coming from um, a really, evidence-based and human rights lens is so important when, when we're talking about human trafficking um, to, so that we can remain inclusive of all forms and experiences of human trafficking. Um, and I actually just pulled up a really amazing quote that I, I usually read in my training sessions. Um, so yeah. if you don't mind, I'll read this quote by a survivor about sensationalism. So they said, I felt totally minimized and not sensational, en- sensational enough to be part of the discussion. It's the everyday people, the everyday stories that are really important because of these because these stories provide the nuances of this phenomena and will lead to real insight into prevention, intervention, and restoration strategies. So being survivor-led and being evidence-based from a human rights lens is just so important for this very reason. Um, so I'm I, again like I'm just so excited and so glad that we're we're talking about it at this level. Mm-hmm. So check this. The numbers, according to what I've researched, is saying 20 to 40 million victims that are that are being used every single year. First of all, that's a huge gap. 20 to 40 million. It's just like <laughs> that's, that's literally uh, uh, a I, I don't that. Yeah. Once again, that gap is just huge to even try to quantify. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was like 20 to 22 million. OK, cool. But it's literally saying 20 to 40. You're million. doubling that. It's a 20 million <laughs> yeah. gap. Um, so what I'm, what I'm picking up on and, and please tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but what I'm picking up on is that, um, there might be people who don't necessarily, who are being trafficked, who are being human trafficked and, uh, maybe organizations, governments, or people are not necessarily, uh, putting them in the number of being human trafficked. And so the numbers are so miscued. It's hard to even say uh, that this person was or this person wasn't. Where where am I? Is my thought pattern on this um, in the right direction? Or I would what? say so. I I I like to say that human trafficking is a crime that's hidden in plain sight. 
you know, a person, Mercy. the person who handed you your breakfast sandwich this morning could be someone who is facing this crime, like someone who's experiencing human trafficking. Um, it's so insidious, right? So I, I, I think you're completely right in that um, statement. And that ties into what you asked us about justice, right? Mm, That's why, you know, legislation is, it's fairly, it's only 2008 that, you know, we really started bringing this forward into legislation. And um, it, it's important also to recognize that that's why the justice piece is hard because the cases mm-hmm. there's so many different instances and it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly and in the past we've had to for example you know if there was an instance where before there was a human trafficking specific legislation if someone was kidnapped well then maybe the the trafficker could only be charged for kidnapping um and and even mm. in some cases if there's pieces of missing we can only charge the trafficker for certain the trafficker can only be charged for certain pieces of that. That's right. Cool. Um, so. Oh, that's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Like I, I'm listening and I'm just like, cause, cause it's so easy for, I want to say it's easy. Well, maybe it could be, but it, it feels like it's easy for them to get away with this and, and to, and to go back into the darkness and the obscurity of, of, of this, human trafficking and and find themselves now doing it over and over again and yeah i just i just find this very yeah it's 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 hard to process but it's definitely information that we need to know because like once once i stated before we need to be able to um champion Mm -hmm. against something that's so uh, prevailing 150 billion dollar industry this is huge and and if you don't have enough voices, the money is already showing that there's enough people on the other side willing to will, willing to um to make this a reality, no matter who they're harming. Let me let let's transition here, uh, where I want to focus a little bit more on a Act Alberta. What exactly do you uh, do as an organization to to fight? And, and champion against human trafficking. Uh, we mm-hmm. want to go a little bit more into detail, especially for those who, who may be hearing and saying, "Hey, you know what? I want to help out too." Awesome. We would love. <laughs> we we love help. Um, so what we do, uh, as you can see today, we have an amazing team um, that includes Cassandra. Uh, they they coordinate and provide services to individuals experiencing mm-hmm. human trafficking. So that's our victim response team, or um, it's actually funded as a victim service unit um, provincially. Yeah. And then we have uh, our training and education program. We also do research and data analysis. Um, we mm-hmm. also assist in developing policy provincially and nationally around human trafficking. And we continue to, we really do prioritize building capacity for community-based responses to human trafficking in Alberta. Uh, that's how... I mean, that's how we're going to combat this. It, it, we have to do it together. It has to be a community-based response. Um, so that that's a little bit about what we do. I can elaborate. I was actually just writing that. I, uh, okay. I would like to elaborate on the victim response team um, and a yeah. little bit about what we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so as Jess said, uh, we do... <laughs> 
it's it is it's a it's like a case management uh, position where we are like the primary contact. We can make referrals for clients. Um, we can help them access services that they need to, whether that be mental health services, you know, housing yeah. um, support as a newcomer as well. Um, we can help them go to uh, support them in going to court, support them in fin- uh, if in doing police reports or our reports with the RCMP. But I just really want to stress that we focus, um, we really approach clients from a victim-centered approach as yeah. well as trauma-informed. So what victim-centered means that we approach clients with the best interest of the clients. Um, and the first, the most important thing is the needs and concerns of the clients. Um, and so we don't report uh, force reporting of victims. So we don't force them to, in other words, report to police. If um, our goal is to support the victim in whatever it is that they need. Um, and if they're not ready to take that step yet, then then we support them in in. Um, you know, assessing for safety, making sure that they have a safe place, making sure that they have access to their basic needs, and then connecting to other supports. Mm-hmm. Um, and what trauma-informed means is just recognizing that um, most, if not all, of these individuals have a history of trauma and how that it'll affect them in accessing services, um, in working with us, and then in just navigating their day-to-day. Mm-hmm. That's awesome to hear that uh, these are some of the things that you're doing with uh, within Act Alberta, and I definitely think that many people will be able and willing to to jump in and and volunteer with your organization. Mm-hmm. Let me ask the question though: what what advances or you know positive progressions have you all been been able to to see or to do typically throughout the organization? So uh, just to to touch on. Um, essentially our guiding light as an organization is what is called the Palermo protocol or the UN definition of human trafficking. So Mm -hmm. it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a wordy definition, but I'll read it. So article three, a of the United nations trafficking in persons protocol defines human trafficking as the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, or receipt of persons by the means of threat or use of force, or other forms of coercion, of abduction, fraud, deception, of the abuse of power, or of a position of vulnerability, or of the giving or receiving of payments or benefits to achieve the consent of a person having control over another person for the purpose of exploitation. So there are there are a lot of different definitions used about human trafficking by different groups, by different individuals, though um, this definition, again, it's the United Nations def- definition of human trafficking, um, is what Act Alberta subscribes to. Um, and this definition was actually adopted into the General Assembly back in the year 2000, and it became effective in the year 2003. So that's a little bit about the Palermo Protocol. Mm. Yeah. And so without getting um, too much into it, Canada does have a national action plan on human mm-hmm. trafficking. And and what that basically means is that... Um, Canada has committed to um, furthering furthering supports for victims of human trafficking, and that's outlined in policy um, as well as legislation. And so that's things like having a dedicated uh, National Human Trafficking Coordination Centre with the RCMP, having um, those services as well with Canadian border um, security agents, um, providing victim support funds, 
um, providing enhanced victim services, um, committing to awareness and research, um, and like we talked about as well, um, including, um, well, that's been going on since uh, uh, began in early 2005 was when it really uh, was added to the criminal code, um, specifically, um, it was, it's been uh, human trafficking has been considered a crime under the Canada's criminal code, but uh, the, the criminal code has been expanded as well to consider um, consent and exploitation in the cases of um, human trafficking uh, and, and, and things have been put in place to protect victims um, and to, to ensure that we can have justice. So, so we, the more we talk about it, the more we mobilize, um, the more we draw attention to the issue, the more we can advance collectively. Mm-hmm. Can I, can I, like, I, I heard everything you said, but I'm not going to lie to you that what bothered me was that it's only in 2005 that they really considered this a crime. Mm-hmm. A surprising um, fact too, is actually that uh, businesses like uh, massage parlors, um, yeah, and, and such. They actually they had access to the temporary foreign worker program until the year two thousand and twelve. So, yeah, there's just there's a lot there's a lot that um, still needs to change, but there is a lot that that's changing. It's just awareness, right? Awareness yeah. and education around human trafficking is so important. Um, it's so complex, right? Yeah. Well, well, I and and that's why we're here. This is why we're here today, and and this is why we're we're listening to you both uh, because uh, it's giving me a deeper understanding uh, as well as all of our listeners. In, in order, because once again, this is what we're all about here in Madcasters. In order for us to see the change, we have to be the change. And so, if we think that this is such a problem that's that's prevailing in our society, uh, we have to we have to be willing to do something about it, even if that is giving more a little bit more awareness if that is talking to someone that if that is you know see being able to to identify victims or identify traffickers like the, these are huge points that we need to make for ourselves mm-hmm. for for our own knowledge and uh to move forward with with an organization like yours like i support you all 100 uh, percent what you're doing is is magnificent work what you're doing is is needed it's it's uh it's so i mean beyond needed you do have different chapters correct uh this is in yes. edmonton calgary and where else um we our uh, offices are specifically they're located in edmonton and calgary but we do mm-hmm. also have um a rural response uh throughout northern alberta as well so yeah. um our victim response coordinators will, um, I think, even now, like travel to do an intake. Obviously, Cassandra, you can yeah. see this. You have you you would know this better than me, but um, yeah. So so we do we cover all of Alberta. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know we are uh, because of COVID nineteen and mm-hmm. and lockdowns and related restrictions. Um, we are focusing as the victim response team more on outreach and being able to mm-hmm. connect with um, organizations in rural areas as well as service providers and potential victims just by being visible um, sure. and making sure that um, they are we are have a presence and people are aware of our services. Yeah. 
So we know what you're doing with Act Alberta. Uh, are there any other Canadian responses or, or teams that are also helping out with this fight against human trafficking? Yeah, yeah, we can we can actually give you some good news and some more hope here. Um, there are a lot of Canadian responses. Um, so as as a country, we're doing we're doing a great job. Um, so Cassandra mentioned earlier, RCMP Human Trafficking National Coordination Center. They've been around since 2005. Their headquarters is in Ottawa. Um, we get a lot of really great information from them. There's the National Action Plan. Um, this was, and, and we actually are in a four-year plan right now established by the government of Canada to oppose human trafficking here in our country. There's also, yeah, it's so great. Um, there's also uh, Cassandra's, anyone who is a victim service coordinator with ACT Alberta is going to be really familiar with this one. Um, it's called the Human Trafficking Specific Temporary Resident Permit. Mm -hmm. We call it a TRP for short. Um, this is special consideration for referred victims of human trafficking um, through IRCC, which is um, Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Canada. So essentially, if someone comes to Canada, they're working for an employer who ends up trafficking them, they can report that employer and they can come to ACT Alberta and we will um, start that process wherein we can get their work permit opened through with IRCC. Um, and it's it's IRCC who who does all the work, of course. Um, but we we do the referring and they open that work permit and that worker can um, again it's it's a temporary solution, but but while that um, you know, while maybe charges are being laid against the employer, um, you know, they're they're just kind of trying to figure out you know, what life looks like now. They have um, health care is paid for. Um, there is, uh, am I missing anything um, with that, Cassandra? Like there, it's, it's a really... No, there's, there's victim supports uh, that, yeah. that, that are provided as well. Um, and then afterwards, um, again, this is, we can only support um, victims mm -hmm. in this and the final decision does remain with the IRCC, but um, mm -hmm. there's also special humanitarian and compassionate considerations um, mm -hmm. that that could continue on from there as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, so there is that. Um, there's the Alberta Task Force as well, uh, Alberta Human Trafficking Task Force. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they began in 2020. They actually, yeah. So that kind of just rolled out in 2020. Um, and great. yeah, it's so awesome. They, and the plan is that they'll provide guidance and recommendations on supports for survivors to the government of Alberta once they're kind of done that um, information gathering process. So yeah, that's really exciting too. That's great. Yeah. I do have a question. Mm -hmm. It's it's stated that the indigenous population, uh, though they, they comprise of what, four or less than 5% of, of the population in Canada that they comprise of 50% of those being trafficked. Are those numbers true? And w why the huge discrepancy? What's going on there? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, human trafficking definitely does not affect all people equally. Indigenous women and girls in Canada, you're right, they're disproportionately affected by, oh, by this. And um, I, can, I can speak to ACT Alberta's clients and our numbers. Um, mm -hmm. We have... We have seen specifically, so 57.9% of the, the people we've worked with are internal or Canadian citizens. Mm. And of that 57, 58, let's say, percent, over 22% of those are Indigenous women and girls. And um, that's 
that's oh. those who have Canada as their country of origin or uh, as right. First Nations or Métis. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. It's definitely, oh. it's a huge issue. Without a hard question, why? <laughs> why them? There are connections to, um, <clears throat> for example, being in um, the wealth, child and welfare system, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> to um, um, having less access to resources, um, to being on the outskirts and having less access to the resources, yeah. um, as well as um, it's hard. It's hard to say. It, it's it's like a it's it's an overlapping in addition to the other risk factors that have been um identified for marginalized communities um you know having lack uh, uh, having lost maybe access to their community to their connections within their community um to being to having all other vulnerabilities and then making them more vulnerable to exploitation yeah. um yeah, and if we're being real, Canada is a country built on colonialism. Yeah, and the yeah. effects of those practices are ongoing today. And this is yeah. one of you know this is one of the effects. This is one yeah. of the impacts. I remember when we were doing because um, I, I, I spoke at one of the Black Lives Matter uh, rallies here. Um, I actually spoke at the one at Airdrie, and I, I never forgot how the, this young man um, from you know from the indigenous population. He, he he was one of the most vocal uh, for like like for the Black Lives Matter, uh, but then he went to speak as well, and and he he made a, just a statement uh, the fact that something to the extent of you know we're fighting for Black Lives today and um, but but don't forget us as well, and yeah. when I heard that I was just like, man, there's more to this whole issue that's happening in. So what I feel what happened to a lot of African Americans in America uh seems as though the debilitating issues is happening to the indigenous or happened yes. and continually happening to the indigenous population here yes. in in Canada and and I think we need to you know what um that just brought something to me I'm going to do a, a specific episode focusing on what's happening in the indigenous population too mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's important um to to raise a little bit of light and, and awareness to that as well uh, to our yeah. listeners and, and to anyone who can hear uh, just, yeah. So I, it's, it's just important for us to continue to do so and, um and, and help in any way possible. So why mm-hmm. don't we actually end with that? How can myself, anyone listening who lives in Alberta um, or, or even um, doesn't live in Alberta, but wants to, to help against human trafficking? Yeah, um, we are, you can contact us through social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, you can reach us at info at actalberta.org. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, did, I forgot to mention earlier, I think that it's really important too that everyone um, kind of at some point during this, this episode takes a moment to put the human trafficking national hotline into their phones. Um, Canada mm-hmm. has uh, a human trafficking hotline it's confidential, it's multilingual, uh, they operate 24-7, and they connect mm-hmm. victims and survivors with social services. 
uh, with law enforcement if that's what the if that's what they want. Um, mm-hmm. Emergency services. They also receive tips from the public, right? So this hotline is is really it's a it's a really wonderful um, point of access for Canadians. So definitely, if uh, everyone wants to put one eight three three nine hundred ten ten to their phones, I think that's really important, and I believe it'll be in the show notes as well. Yes, it will be. So once again, that's one eight three three nine hundred ten ten. I didn't even um, write it down yet, but that number is so easy to remember. <laughs> so I just, like I was just able to to repeat it as soon as you said it. So the human trafficking hotline. Yes. Once again, people, that's one eight three three nine hundred nine zero zero ten ten one zero one zero. Hmm. Um. I also. Uh, there's some some online tools that we can provide you folks with as well. Uh, you can engage with us and other um, organizations on social media by sharing. Um, like I said, making sure uh, t- to be careful about um, uh, media outlets or, or or places where things are sensationalized, but following. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, reputable organizations and sharing information, engaging with that information, um, informing yourself. We do have a human trafficking 101 lunch and learn training, which is awesome um, <laughs> because it's really just half an hour and it gives you a, a nice foundation on, um, on, on what human trafficking is, what to look for and mm-hmm. the basics. Yeah. We like to we like to really facilitate a good discussion during that period too. So yeah, there's there's about twenty minutes of open you know open at Q and A time. That's great. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And, and so when is the next one? Uh, it's every third Thursday of the month, and so this next one will be February February eighteenth is the next one. Awesome, uh, February eighteenth, and then March eighteenth. Yep, and then. March or April 15th. So just in case you're listening, you got the dates, February 18th, March 18th, April 15th. If you want to learn more specifically to what ACT Alberta is doing, you're able to jump into these, um, these, these rooms to have more information and to find out how you can volunteer and how you can help out as well. If you think that this is a problem, and, and, and let's just be real here. If you really believe and you, and you can see that throughout this episode that this is a major problem, you can't sit down and do anything you can do nothing. You, I, 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 even from this month, as soon as I found out, I was like, oh, it's Human Trafficking Awareness Month. All right, well, let me see what I can do here. When I reached out to Marky Williams and, I, and you know, hearing her story, Mm-hmm. The the next step was to reach out to you. I reached out to uh, two organizations, actually. I don't want to say the next one because I didn't get anything from them yet. Uh, but um, <laughs> it was between them and you. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to do something. I can't see this. It's like, for mm-hmm. instance, um, with those who are, who are dealing with racism, you know, so many people are seeing that racism is happening and not choosing yeah. to do anything. Or they'll say, well, I hope it goes away. I'm not racist, but you're not really anti-racist <laughs> either. And so we could sit back voluntarily, just, you know, keep our eyes blind to this issue that's happening with human trafficking, or we can be an active force against it. Once again, this is a $150 billion industry that has the power, the money, the influences to continue to reign terror. If we don't choose as citizens of this world 
to 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 set up against this problem, then we are allowing it to prevail without setting uh w- without giving one finger to lift up against it. Put mm-hmm. a social media post. Talk to someone. Yeah. Keep your eyes open to what's happening. Whatever the case may be, we just need to do something because we can't sit around and do nothing anymore. Love that. Anything else you want to leave us with, Jessica and Cassandra? Um, I will, uh, as I said, um, I, I am a victim response coordinator here at ACT Alberta. So I will give you um, my email as well as contact information. Um, and I just want to welcome anyone. Um, I'm always willing to answer questions, um, willing to support whether um, maybe you think you may be a victim, maybe you work for an organization and you're looking to uh, know how to better assess for victims of human trafficking. Maybe you'd mm-hmm. like our support. Um, just please do reach out. I'd be very happy to speak with you. Mm-hmm. And just thank you, Brian. Like this is, this is really awesome. And I'm so glad that we were able to come on and speak with you today. Um, you're doing some really great work and yeah, excited to be a part of it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jess and Cassandra for coming on to the Madcasters show. And we really appreciate you both and taking the time to give us this information. Once again, this is Jess and Cassandra with ACT Alberta. And so you can go to them at actalberta.org. And that's where you will be able to see uh, all that they're doing. And you know what? Even if it means that you don't have the time to do anything, donate. They, you can donate to their site to help their cause to continue to fight against human trafficking. Donate. Donate $10. Donate $50. Donate 100 or 1000 Whatever you can afford to help against this fight from for human trafficking, you can do this by supporting them through volunteerism or even just by donating. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Madcasters. Please leave a positive review on the show if you liked today's episode and be sure to follow us on Madcasters at Instagram and also Madcasters on Facebook, where you'll be able to get updates, surveys, and many more surprises. Please go to madcasters.com where you'll be able to access the shows, blogs, and book reviews. Also, spotlights of organizations that you can support and donate to as well. And if you would like to support Madcasters even more, please go to our Patreon page. It's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash Madcasters. I'll be giving out a free book monthly to one of our Patreon supporters as well. And there are many more surprises to come for all those who are Patreon supporters. This is the end of our episode, but this is not the last. I promise you, Madcasters, we are about to have a blast. But don't forget, Madcasters, this is the launch pad for you to go mad. Mad.